0: Hey everybody welcome back to gear 30 on the blister podcast network i'm jonathan ellsworth and you can check out all the very many things that we are doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com so a few weeks ago on gear 30 this was episode number 277 to be exact Luke, Kappa, and I were talking about our new Blister community reviews, and we got into a really interesting conversation, I think, about skier ability levels and how to define those things. And we asked you to write in to let us know what you thought of our take on that topic, And you all showed up and wrote a lot of really smart things that really got me thinking a lot. And to be honest, I'm kind of on the fence about whether we should keep our definitions the way that we rolled them out on that episode number 277 or whether we ought to revise them. You all made really good arguments, frankly, on both sides of that. Good arguments for keeping them the same. Good arguments for switching them up or tweaking them just a little bit. And so this week, I recruited Jordan Jones, who is the co-founder and president of our blister recommended shop, Powder Seven, which is located on the outskirts of Golden, Colorado, to see if Jordan had a different take on these definitions and ratings of ours, given his work over the past 16 or so years at Powder 7, where, of course, they are dealing with skiers all the time and trying to line up the right gear for them and quickly trying to assess and understand what sort of skier type and skier ability level each customer is. So, I brought Jordan on, and that is a lot of what we're going to be talking about today. Like I said, I'm obsessed with this topic at the moment, and once again, I would love for all of you to give this conversation a listen and let us know, should we leave our rating scale the same as we currently have it? You can see those notes in episode number 277, and Jordan and I spell out a couple of the key definitions in this episode here, or should we tweak these things? Let us know, please. Now, a couple notes. Uh, We have a Blister Summit coming up. That's going to be February 4th through the 8th, right here in Mount Crested Butte. And that is taking place at Elevation Hotel, which is where our Blister headquarters are located. And I'm telling you, folks, this is going to be a phenomenal event. And we got a whole bunch of news, but for now... You diehard listeners of Gear 30, I'm just going to tell you this. We have confirmation that Gear 30 favorite Matt Manzer is going to be coming from Austria to be at our Blister Summit. And so, yeah, after a couple of years of thinking Matt would be here, well, it's confirmed. Matt is going to be at the Summit and it will be cool to dork out about some ski boots and make good on our crafted episode promise to have a late night scotch tasting session. We're working on those things. But anyway, that's a bit of news. So yeah, Cody Townsend's going to be here. Elise Sogstad will be here. Hoji will be here. Angel Collinson will be here. We've got a number of snowboarders that are going to be coming through. Maybe you've heard of like Jamie Anderson, Emma Crosby, Red Gerard. They're going to be stopping by. This thing is really shaping up, and we would like to have you join us. Oh, and for the record, I am on open snow right now. We just picked up 8 to 10 inches overnight. There is another 36, 35, 36 inches in the forecast beyond that. So this mountain is shaping up really nice for the summit, And so, yeah, you know, sometimes life throws you an IQ test, and you need to answer it correctly. And if you're thinking, should I go to the summit or not? Well, you know, you're smart. You listen to Gear 30. You've got this. I believe in your ability to pass this IQ test. So we will include a link in the show notes of this episode for a lot more information about the Blister Summit, and you can sign up there, and let's go hang out. Now, I told you, I'm looking at OpenSnow right now, and if for some reason you have yet to get on the OpenSnow train, well, you have no excuse here either. This is like IQ test part two, because using the code opensnow.com slash blister, you can get a free trial of OpenSnow through January 31st. Now, that free trial will give you access to all of the great features on Open Snow. Uh, This is what we use. We all look at it multiple times a day. And when we're in a storm cycle like we are right now, it's probably like, I don't know, a dozen times a day. Check it out. It's free. This free trial goes through January 31st and we'll include a link for it in the show notes of this episode as well. Alright, last thing here folks, we are talking about defining skier ability levels in this conversation, and you'll see, it makes me a little squeamish doing that, you'll hear me talk about that, but one thing that I think we can all agree on is, skiing is more fun the better you get, and just the more confident you feel around the mountain. And this, then, makes me want to tell you about the Taos Ski Week. Because Taos is the only ski area in North America to offer a weekly Ski Week program where you can learn to ski better. This program goes back to a late 1950s tradition brought over from Europe where you are matched up with a group of skiers that have abilities similar to yours and then you ski with that group from Sunday through Friday with the same instructor each morning for 2.5 hours. So whether you like the idea of getting more comfortable skiing groomers or moguls or trees or some of our favorite steep terrain in the United States, while also getting shown the best spots to ski during your stay, well, then you ought to check out the Taos Ski Week program at Taos Ski Valley. And so once again, we're going to include a link for you to check out that goes to the Taos Ski Week for more info. And now, let's get to it. Let's talk about how best to classify ability levels and all the factors that go into that with Jordan Jones. And then, I really would appreciate it if you would take a second to let us know what you think we ought to do with our community reviews, ratings. Should we keep the six categories that we currently have? Should we add an extra one? Tell us what you think. And on that note, here we go. Well, Jordan, happy to have you on Gear 30. And to kick things off, I want to reminisce a little bit about where I last saw you and actually first met you in person. I remember the exact location. I wonder if you do. How about Girdwood Brewing Company? No, I don't think that's right. Was it was it the hotel? (laughs) So the hotel. (laughs) Well, it was in Girdwood, Alaska. It was at the Aliaska Hotel, but I believe it was in the tiny little coffee shop because I had just yes. ordered a quad shot americano <laughs> and I was um standing there and again correct me if you think I have this wrong but I I this is my recollection this so this was this past April and I was standing there waiting for my quad shot americano because you know caffeine needs and um I believe that's where somebody in your group was like wait are you jonathan because i think they overheard me placing an order or something and then you were like hey it's jordan (laughs) and so (laughs) that's that's my story do you do you now wish to confirm that do you have a different memory
1: yeah that's right because i've been tipped off that you were there Mm. so i knew you were skiing that week so i was kind of on the lookout for you and Sounds especially correct because we spent way too much time in that coffee shop waiting for the weather to clear that week.
0: That's right. <laughs> because it snowed like three feet uh in, you know, the second half of April. Not the most customary stuff. But anyway, that's where we got to meet in person. And then when you said the Girdwood Brewery, that's where we actually got to have a, you know, much longer conversation. And that was that was really fun. That's
1: right. Yep. That's that's where we had our first full
0: in conversation. That's right. Um well, I'm glad to be doing it again. This time, you know, I don't know if this is the more official or less official version who can say, but it's it's great to bring you on to, you know, our little Gear 30 program here.
1: Yeah, thanks for hosting
0: me. I am stoked to be on. <laughs> so, the other thing that I'm very excited about is I as you know, because I've told you this a few times, I'm dragging you into some things that I have been thinking about a lot. It, well, really, this is some stuff that we've been thinking about for I don't know, about 12 months with the buildup and launch of our community reviews. But where this really has come on in earnest is just the last several weeks where, you know, our managing editor, Luke Kappa, and I recorded this conversation on Gear 30, where we were talking about community reviews, but then went down this rabbit hole of skier ability levels and skier ability ratings. and. We have seen some really interesting feedback on that. And once again, I am extremely proud. We have really smart listeners. And this, y'all did great on this one. But just really interesting perspectives and vantage points of these things. And I have been wanting to talk about this more with other people who weren't Luke. And that would be you, Jordan. And I thought... You know, as a as a shop owner and just somebody with a different perspective, I thought, well, I thought your perspective would be valuable, and I wanted to do this again on a Gear Thirty podcast because I thought a follow up conversation along those lines was in order. So that is our backstory, and thank you for being here.
1: (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, we've been in business at Better Seven for sixteen years, and I've spent sixteen years trying to go down the rabbit hole you're going down of. How do you figure out someone's ability level? And how do you especially do it quickly without actually skiing with them?
0: Yeah. So the floor is yours. I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the things that you've learned over the years or some of the things that, I don't know, maybe worked better or worse along these lines? Oh, man. I mean, I've noticed something that you've gotten
1: right with yours, which is technique. It's not just skiing a particular terrain. Mm -hmm. It's skiing it with good form and good technique. Cause a lot of people tend to identify their ability level by, I can ski greens or I can ski, ski blues or I can ski blacks, but just skiing it isn't the same as doing it correctly. You know, mm-hmm. and I think as we grow all grow as skiers, we appreciate more doing it right. I feel like when you start skiing, you're mm-hmm. like, I skied it and I skied it fast. Mm-hmm. Whereas as you progress, it's more. Did I do it right? (laughs) Did I have some flaws there? You know, was my technique on
0: on point? You said we kind of start by thinking about, you know, did I ski it and did I ski it fast? Actually, I think we might back up that for a lot of people, it's did I make it down that run? Right. Like, especially as you start thinking about, well, I don't know, from the very first days, if you're on, you know, beginner slopes, you know, greens, it's like, I made it down that without falling, right? <laughs> yep. right. That, that, that actually probably is like a place where some people are, that's the first achievement, right? And then it's maybe, did I, you know, I made it down and I did it pretty fast and we're not yet at your, to your level of having done so with good technique or not? Yeah,
1: right. I've been thinking about with uh, kids lately with... Hmm. The kids here in Steamboat, our kids are part of the, the sports club program, and they seem to do a good job. These kids figure out early that just like what we're talking about, even though they're so young, they they really take pride in skiing it well, not just skiing it fast. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe they're onto something that I took a while to get onto.
0: I don't know if I should be saying this part last or saying it first. Here, I have not actually loved this exercise of having to come up with what we'll kind of call, I guess, real world definitions of this is what an advanced skier is, or this is what an expert is, or this is what an intermediate is. Because frankly, I don't care how a person classifies themselves. And, you know, I started, I've been thinking a lot for the past couple of weeks, like normally we just talk about skiing. Like I don't actually ever use the term free skiing but since we've had to because of the you know the projects we're trying to do and ultimately we think that these community reviews will be in the service of skiers and helping them you know find the equipment that's going to work best for them we've had to start thinking in this way but a lot of the comments that have come in to us i realize that people are now like oh maybe i'm not advanced or maybe I'm not an expert. And there's something along the spectrum of shame or ego <laughs> along these things. And I I just realized, wow, I've really, like, when I go skiing, I just am happy to be outside, often with friends, and I just love the thing. And I spend zero amount of time asking, like, am I advanced? Or am I an expert? Or is that person advanced or an expert? And There is something about this, I am going to use the term, free skiing, where suddenly we are in this business of putting people into boxes that I have not totally loved. Does that make sense?
1: It totally makes sense. I I grew up running, which is one of the most objective sports out there because you have a time on a track. And Mm. skiing is one of the most subjective sports out there. Yeah, it'd be given how subjective it is. People could really they could mentally put themselves into a box, and they could read your rating, and they they might be a little put off by
0: it, Jonathan. I feel like you've
1: got a you've got a tough system at the top to to be in those top tiers.
0: You so you think specifically at the top that's where because I I actually kind of agree with you. I think the like what is a beginner, the way that we have kind of defined that is just kind of facts. That's just facts. Like you know. and then moving into the intermediate range, pretty close to facts. When you move into advanced and expert, th- anyway, keep, keep going with your with your sentiments on this.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like I look I look at your system and my eyes gravitate to expert. And I'm like, oh, I think I'm probably there. And then I and then I read the definition of the expert, which I totally agree with. And then I'm like, oh no, I gotta downgrade myself one, because you've got a tough mm-hmm. bar for expert, which is you got you got to ski it well all the time, basically, no matter what the conditions, right? It's hmm. one way to put it.
0: Uh, I guess. Um, and 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 I mean, one question is: Do you would you change up that definition?
1: I don't think so. I like it. I mean, I, I like I like it getting tough at the top. It kind of gives you mentally something to strive for, and it. I hmm. I don't mind. I don't mind it the way it is, you know, with the the hmm. pro the comp skier. The expert skier and the expert skier has the high bar so
0: i like it Hmm. and i think you know that there's another thing obviously we did in our system was we then put in the pro category above expert right and i think part of this is because we do ski with a lot of pros or also you know ted ligety exists you know what i mean and it's like we're not going to just cap this at expert and then like Maybe I'm putting myself in there, but that also holds room for a Ted Ligety or a Sage Catabriga Alosa. You know, it's like, this isn't right. This isn't a proper, we need to like actually understand that there is a level of human beings operating out there in the mountains. And I don't belong to that group. And I think that that is an area where we do get it twisted sometimes whether it's on ski forums or, you know, whatever. Um, And so I I feel really good about having that pro category out there. Anyway, thoughts on that?
1: I totally hear you. Uh, Like getting back to running, you know, because it's it's objective, it's kind of interesting Mm -hmm. to try to find some parallels. It's like if you're a five minute miler, you can run the mile in five minutes. You're probably in about the top one percentile of Mm -hmm. all runners. So, you're very good, but yet the world record for the mile is 343. Hmm. So, you may think you're good, but someone Uh has run 1 minute and 17 seconds faster, way faster to the point that if you race the mile against them, when you had a lap to go, they would be red on your heels about to finish, right? Yeah. And I think it's the same with skiing where you could be a very good skier. And then you ski with a pro, like I've skied with Owen Lieber, you know? Yeah. And he is just so phenomenally better than me that, you know, it's, it's, it's really is a, a different world. It's an entirely different level that you, you do have to respect.
0: Yeah. And, you know, this is one of the things that Luke and I kind of discussed. I mean, for all the reasons I said, like I personally don't care about. I mean it is important in that we you know I I think there is utility in you know people trying to say hey this is about where I'm at because it's pretty different right if an ex a true expert skier is weighing in on a product versus somebody who has skied a total of 20 days in their li- in their life that's important but like I don't know I just felt like we were being a bit of a buzzkill or maybe it's like, good. There's way too many. Maybe there's way too many people out there calling themselves experts and they just shouldn't, you know? And for me personally, as I said in that conversation, like I'm happy to just check the advanced box. But then I had certain people write in and they're like, dude, you can't be putting yourself in the advanced box because some of just some of the skis that I personally happen to like. They're like that, they wanted to say those are products that are probably only going to be enjoyed by folks more in the expert class. And I thought that was interesting because I was like, oh, well, I again, I don't care. I don't have any ego about this. But if if somehow me checking an advanced box is now feeling like that's actually being misleading to certain people, you know what I mean? It's like, well, then that then that is a problem. And it you heard me say in that gear 30 conversation, should we introduce that 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 hybrid category advanced slash expert? Or do we just live in nope, go advanced or go expert. And if that means there's a lot fewer experts out there in the world, so be it.
1: It could be valuable because you have seven classes, right?
0: What do we have? We go beginner, intermediate, advanced expert pro so, six. so oh, six and then uh, yep. or if we if we do the Candide the Candide that's right that that yeah yeah I think you <laughs> class of one so,
1: so as of now we officially have six so you would rate you're effectively rating yourself a four out of six on the scale I hear the point I mean maybe we should add one you're five to five out of seven I mean that that does kind of make sense to me it does it, it is a little hard to believe that you're merely a four out of six
0: well, I mean, again, it all—it's all arbitrary, right? We could have come up with a three hundred and eighty-seven point scale, and then I, you know, but what we are trying to do here is find out the most useful classification system for what you know to, to help people out. And you know, we left—we left that conversation, and maybe Luke was the one who was the most like, no, just advanced, expert, pro. And I don't know, I'm, again, and, and again, a number of the comments we received, people were like, I think you want we were, you and I were talking about this, like, some of us have overinflated, you know, notions of how good we are at something. And so like, a couple comments were like, yeah, all of us should ask where we are, and then just knock down one. And then we're probably getting closer to the truth. What do you think about that?
1: I, I do think that's generally, that can be the case um i've noticed in talking to a lot of customers i I have this hunch and i I looked it up because i've noticed many guys not all but many there might be some ego involved and they like to kind of like give themselves a little boost Mm -hmm. and then i talk to women oftentimes but not always and they i feel like they're sometimes women can undercut themselves a little bit and you gotta maybe bump them up one but it's tough because it's It's so individual. You might have a guy who undercuts himself. You can have a woman who overbuilds herself. So you you also, you can't just make assumptions about it either.
0: But there probably is as a generalization, we stupid men tend to overrate ourselves when it comes to intelligence, when it comes to skier ability, whatever. And women kind of skew a bit as a generalization the other way. I mean, I think like there's enough data and studies out there on that. I don't think that's a very controversial thing to say as a generalization.
1: Yeah, I, I I recall a study where guys effectively rated themselves 35% smarter on tests than they were, than women rated themselves. Even though I think women actually tested slightly better than guys, but the guys mm-hmm. rated themselves as doing better. So mm-hmm. I do think there's some statistical studies
0: that back that. So, given that, do you think we stick with that just advanced bucket, expert bucket, and we don't introduce that cheat code of advanced slash expert hybrid?
1: I think you're fine how it is. Like, if it, I guess getting back to it, it's not an ego t- contest, right? It's, it's trying to serve a purpose of matching a skier to the right ski. And I think your system your ratings system does that. You know, we're not not trying to like make people's egos happy here. That's not the goal.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you see a downside? And again, drawing on your experience from the shop and all the rest, like, is there a downside of not introducing that hybrid category advanced slash expert? Meaning we're going to have a lot fewer people, I presume, Ticking that expert box now with. And so, you know, that's where I think we we probably will have um, quite a shift in terms of where a lot of folks are placing themselves. I would guess that advanced the advanced category would now be drawing a whole lot of people um, submitting community reviews on blister. And that expert is going to get a lot thinner than it might be if we had a different classification system. Is there a downside of that?
1: I guess the downside is, like, yeah, you might have a lot of people pooled into that advanced category, right? Mm-hmm. Almost so many to the point that you start to ask yourself, is this person a lower advanced or an upper advanced within your system? So that would be the downside, right? You might like, people might progress, serious gears might progress pretty quickly from one, two, three into four. And then you could easily get stuck in that four bucket for a a very long time.
0: Okay. Well, so then I need a kind of final answer from you because two minutes ago, you said leave the system as is. (laughs) I think, all right, push comes to
1: shove. I would I would try to break it out. I would maybe try to figure out a way to like separate out that four.
0: Is that advanced slash expert or do you have a better?
1: Yeah, I would say advanced slash expert.
0: Okay. Lukap is not going to be happy about this.
1: Um, <laughs> Which to me may, may almost be like you can almost always ski difficult runs well unless it's like very challenging conditions.
0: Because mm-hmm.
1: I think and your I expert mean, requires for all conditions you ski it well. And that's that's a high bar.
0: We did say, right, by skiing well, we don't mean flashing it, you know, like skiing it like a bat out of hell. And then frankly, uh, I think I I think I mentioned this example, like Cody Townsend on the 50 project. He is not flashing every line. He is carefully, correctly picking his way, as you see, extremely accomplished pro skiers and, and accomplished guides. That's how they ski certain stuff, right? Right. And 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 so and just just to remind people, we're not saying you're like doing Ted Ligety hip to the snow carves down the gnarliest, frozen, steep, prestibute mogul lines or something, right? <laughs> we're, t- we're talking about skiing it appropriately given the conditions. Jordan, maybe I'm just going to have you read. What exactly do we currently have for that advanced category? Read us the description.
1: Okay, here we go. Advanced. You can ski most black runs on piste and off piste with confidence and relatively good technique in many conditions. Do you want me to read the expert?
0: Yeah, give us the
1: expert. Okay, expert. You have outstanding technique and are able to ski most black and double black runs with confidence and good form in all conditions. See, to me, good form in all conditions is a Very high bar.
0: But again, even if we're talking about slowing things down, you know, and maintaining that form, as opposed to just bat out of helling the line with good form, which is another level.
1: Yeah, I'm just thinking, man, I mean, spring freeze where you get out too early in the morning, but you got to ski it or breakable crust. I mean, how, how do you ski that with good form? To me, it's like... You got to be like full on pro almost to do that.
0: Yeah. And I mean, that's on our current rating. That's exactly what sort of somebody that can do that. And by the way, like there's a bunch of people in Crested Butte who could could and would do that. And I would put those people kind of pushing them into that pro category. They just don't yep. make mistakes, right. you know, and um, I think it's rare, but they're out there for sure. I ski yep. with them, you know? Yep. Um, see, I, okay, I would well,
1: myself an expert if it was good form in most conditions, but good form in all conditions. That's, I mean, I'll, I'll meet my match many times this season in some super challenging conditions. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And I, I will not look very good.
0: Mm-hmm. Read us the advanced description one more time.
1: Okay. Advanced. You can ski most black runs on piste and off piste with confidence and relatively good technique in many conditions. Mm-hmm. S- someone could enter the advanced category from intermediate, and they to me they could legitimately progress pretty significantly as a skier, mm-hmm. but by the definition, they'll still be stuck in that advanced category. You know, it's 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 hard to break out of that that prison That's cell. That's right.
0: <laughs> that 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 seems right. On our current system, it's it's hard to get out of it. Yep. And that's our question. Is it too hard? Is it too hard or, um, unhelpfully hard yep. to get out of it?
1: Yep. Hmm. Okay. And if we're trying to match them to gear, you know, yep. might not be breaking it out enough to, to match them to the right gear. You know, we're, we're going to have tons of skis in that advanced category, basically. And It'd also be nice to separate the skis out a bit to match the, the skiers by separating the skiers out a little bit.
0: Okay. Well, you just introduced another important question. You just introduced the notion of sort of assigning ability levels to skis. Oh, yeah. That's going to get tough. <laughs> We're going to run into some challenges there. And I mean, talk, say a bit more about this, because I, I don't know if, I don't know if you and I are on the same page when it comes to this, basically. So, let's find out.
1: It's tough. I, I feel like you can almost do it. But then there's also a whole bunch of skis that just just break the whole system, right? Like, I was skiing on a Stokely Laser AR a week ago. And to me, if I was to rate that on a 7 out of 7, seven system or 6 out of 6, that's that thing is a top tier 6 out of 6. Like, you've got to be seriously good. ski that ski so that ski like is a little bit easier to classify but then you have a ski to me like the atomic bent 110 or bent 100 i'd Mm -hmm. be comfortable putting someone who has skied five days in their life on that ski and i'd be comfortable putting an expert on that ski yep you know it's got a massive range Yep.
0: yeah and i i think a couple things on this front one I would say as a generalization, more skis these days have a broader performance envelope than maybe if we were to go back even 10 years ago, and I'd say almost certainly 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I think that is one of the most significant developments in ski design that maybe we don't talk about all the time is skis have, as a generalization, become more accessible, Yep. but that doesn't mean with that greater accessibility, there are still absolute expert skiers that can have a great time on those. And I think that's maybe particularly, betre- and I think that is maybe especially true given that what used to constitute an quote-unquote expert skier meant more of um, somebody that was bringing a traditional racing style to big mountain off-piste skiing. That's not what it means all the time anymore. Often it's now bringing in skis where um, people are tricking them around the mountain and that introduces like, oh, we don't just want a super stiff, super heavy directional ski. Um, we want it a bit lighter for to bring down swing weight. We want a more to ski with a more upright stance. So it's gonna have a more forward mount point. And I think that some like styles have changed, right? For what constitutes like something the the type of ski that would suit a quote unquote expert. Yeah, you agree with that? I
1: hear you. Yeah, I mean the freestyle freestyle style is a bit different, right? It's a little more steezy and uh Yeah, you you move away from some of those classic techniques. And yeah, I know what you mean. Like I really appreciate the skis where it's, you can kind of do both, right? It's like super, super inviting, super playful. I can ski it with my kids going like slow speeds down the mountain. Mm -hmm. And then has also has a big top end where you you can rip it and it's got a strong backbone still. I love Mm -hmm. those multiple personality skis. Mm -hmm. And I, I do think like they almost didn't exist. 10 15 years ago and now there's a lot of them out there and they they really shine.
0: And so I guess this brings us to the question of I mean like in our reviews we do say, you know, at the end of our reviews in the like who's it for section, we will talk a bit about this um but it's become more important I think to call out when a ski really is only in our opinion Limited to a very specific category. And frankly, that usually is on the more expert end of things when we are talking about bigger, stiffer, heavier skis that it's like that, that, that aren't that forgiving. That's when it's clear. Like, look, you need to be interested in that kind of ski. And for the right skier, it might be your favorite ski of all time. But I think we have seen such a widening of that middle ground that um we can't anymore just slot like this is just the beginner ski this is just the expert ski and and one more thing I'll say on this and I'm curious to hear your thoughts when we sometimes put out like our we we do like best skis for beginners we get some pushback on this because i mean first of all we don't put a cap on price for this right yep. Our thought is there are so many good skis out there these days, what we're looking to identify are skis that will be really, really good for a true beginner, but will then allow that beginner to grow into the ski and continue to progress on that ski. And so we've seen like in the comments on these articles, people will be like, what are you talking about? That ski costs $700. That's not a beginner ski. And I'm like, I completely disagree. Like, in fact, I've spent a lot of my life fighting against this, right? Like, let's just give the newbies shitty, cheap gear. I don't think that's how you get people to really enjoy and grow into the sport. But I don't know. As a, as a shop owner, what do you think? What are your thoughts on this one?
1: I guess you get two types of beginners, right? You got people who are like, I went once. I'm going to go once a year for the foreseeable future. And then you get beginners too who are just like, man, I want once this is the best sport ever. I'm so stoked. I want something that I can ski for my next trip and I can keep for 5 years and I love mm-hmm. trying to support those skiers and to support the, their newfound stoke for our sport. Yeah.
0: And I think that's right. I think of those two categories that you just described. We're very much focused on the the that that latter category, not the I just I'm going to go one time a year and I need something that I can click into to slide off the chairlift on. Yep. We probably aren't speaking to that that person as much. We're absolutely speaking to that second category.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and getting back to like how skis have evolved, I, f- I feel like that's that's a new thing where a beginner can get a ski and that ski can grow with them all the way until they're an expert. It's it's pretty cool that that exists and we should embrace it. Hmm.
0: All right, well maybe one other element of this that we ought to discuss is, you know, we've talked a lot about ability levels. We haven't spent much time or we've spent zero time talking about sort of height and weight and how that factors in here. Yep. Thoughts on that, Jordan?
1: Yeah. I especially noticed it a week ago. I have my buddy Randy up here in Steamboat is a former Northwestern football player. So you've got him, this big dude, me, runner guy, and mm-hmm. I took out the Stokely makes the laser AX and the laser AR. And I was, you know, I tried to read about the difference between them, but I'm also like, like you are, it's like, what, what's the real difference between these? Do they really need to make these two skis? Mm-hmm. Was like Randy, let's go take these skis out and we'll swap between runs. And we did it. We skied both. And then it's like, all right, ready? What's your favorite? One, two, three, go. And I'm like, hands down, AX, that ski is super fun. Like, has a high level, but I can also just do quick turns with it. I can ski some bumps and the big, he being bigger was a hundred percent the AR. So we're almost, almost identical skiers. We ski together. We'll rip the same speed, ski the same runs. We have so much fun together, but him just being a bigger guy makes him gravitate to a very different ski than I do. And to me, like the AR was like fun when I'm like ripping a groomer and on it and doing big turns. Mm-hmm. He felt awesome there, but if I had to expand out of that, I started to have some trouble with it and I like the AX way more. Mm-hmm. Whereas for him, almost no matter what, he liked the AR. So yeah, mm-hmm. weight can have a massive effect on it.
0: Yeah, and the only thing that I want to add there, because I do think it actually like problematizes the weight issue like appropriately, is Then it gets into a conversation of something like power or style. Yep. And, you know, this is something we've talked about it a lot. We still sometimes get comments on Blister and they're like, you need to have, you know, the 250 plus pound reviewer because, (laughs) you know, I weigh about 175 to 180. Our team weighs what our team weighs. And they're like, your review can't possibly be relevant. Now, what we reply with is actually, we're really good at reviewing and we're good at like, okay, you know, identifying those properties that you just talked about. Um, Wow, uh, we might be finding, and we talk about this in our reviews, we might be finding this ski to be quite stiff or, you know, I had trouble with bending it, but a heavier or more powerful skier won't. And that's though what we always do, heavier or more powerful. Because we know light skiers who are powerful as hell and will bend the shit out of a ski far more than a less aggressive or less powerful, heavier person. And so that is one of the things I've actually spent a lot of time pushing back against is people who just think by virtue of being heavy, that means there's going to be a radically different sort of experience with a ski maybe it's because we do spend a lot of time skiing with some very high level skiers that power or the ability to generate power uh, out of a product whether it's a ski whether it's a ski boot that is another variable that i think sometimes the hey you don't have reviewers that weigh the same as i do that's a variable they sometimes are leaving out
1: yeah here you. i know what you mean you can get you can get a feel for it where you can be like all right the ski might be a little burlier than i prefer But I'm already getting, you you can get the sense that like for a stronger, slightly heavier skier, this is an awesome ski. You can kind of get the feel for that.
0: Yeah. Or a lighter, more powerful skier. And that's the thing I think that gets, that's the thing I think that gets missed sometimes. But, um, but you know, that's also what we're happy about with our community reviews thing is like, well, now, you know, people can just, they, heavier skiers, we can see where you know, just see what their experience is, and as we build this out, we will have a filter system, right? So if someone's yeah. like, "Look, I weigh two hundred and fifty pounds," I don't care what anybody who weighs less than fill in the blank yeah. thinks about this product. Cool, have at yeah. it. And, you know, it's going to take us time to build up, kind of build up that archive of reviews, but that's that's what we're going for here, and and um, you know, look forward to. Blister members entering their stuff and, and, um, building this out and we'll, we'll be able to test my theory that I've had for these past, you know, 13 years now that weight can be overstated when it comes to some of these products. Um, because it's weight and the, the aggressiveness variable, both yep. or the weight mean. and power variable. I totally
1: hear you. Like fitness kind of comes into play. How do you, how do you think about like skew some, Skiers almost have a personality. It's like, how do you capture that? Like, I almost feel like some skiers are just so quick and poppy. And then you've got these mm-hmm. other skiers who might be more like race background oriented and they just yeah. like to get into a turn, hold the turn, get into the turn, yep. hold the turn. You know, it's almost like you've got these two different personalities out there and that's got to affect the skis people like as well.
0: Yeah, you're right. And we, you know, we talk about the way, the way we've actually talked about it over the years is we call it more finesse oriented skiers yep. versus more powerful or traditional or directional skiers. Yep. And, you know, honestly, I feel like that kind of bifurcation works pretty well. Yep. Um, you know, some people like to have a more centered upright stance and ski with a lighter touch. These are some of the exact terms we use, right? Um, and they, they might be phenomenal skiers, but with yep. that more finesse oriented style, um, versus that, yeah, traditional directional kind of more race oriented style. And that, those are the terms we use to break it out.
1: Yeah. Makes sense to me. I'm, I'm 100% on the finesse end of things. I like a tight mm-hmm. radius ski that can go from one turn to the next instantly for the moment.
0: Yep. And that's again why you know it's tough to say when you were talking about assigning an ability level to a ski anymore. It's like most of the time I think uh, representing our two ends of the spectrum, kind of the more finesse oriented, I'm going to I'm going to cheat the language here a little bit. Here we'd have to move to the more playful oriented on the one hand yep. and then the more race oriented so envision people on this spectrum, and we're talking about experts. Yeah. Well, you know, a dead center mounted ski isn't going to be a great tool for a lot of folks. But under the feet of a true expert, a dead center mounted ski, they're going to be able to rip the whole mountain while throwing impressive tricks on that thing. We we are not going to suggest a truly dead center mounted ski for an all mountain ski for a lot of folks. Yep. Yeah. But, but that's where skis like that. It's it's, you can't say it's for intermediates and advanced skiers. You can't, it's not true, yeah. right? That is, yeah. that is the right tool and the best tool for a true expert who has that more playful or more finesse oriented style. So really, I think where we can only assign Those really strict definitions to is the extremely demanding, the extremely demanding stiff, heavy directional ski, where we just know unless you click with that style and you have those skills, this won't be the right tool for you. And by the way, we think those skis, we're seeing fewer and fewer of them every year. Right. Certainly in the like that all mountain charger category, that's going away. And um, maybe, maybe those are still existing in the kind of, you know, the, the beer league race ski, the recreational race ski, but those things are kind of on their way out. Right. Ooh, I I have a one, I think it's related
1: question for you. This kind of layers into this as well. Okay. So we met in Alaska, right? So you bring your skis to Alaska, Mm -hmm. but you can't test skis in Alaska, of course. So you've got this added challenge sometimes of you, you, you're, you're trying to match the ski to where the skiers skiing right and that can that can be a pretty big difference you know i ski steamboat where it's a lot of tight like, trees bumps maybe that's why i like the poppy mm-hmm. short radius yeah quick turning skis right and then i run into the problem of okay i'm gonna go to alaska and the ski that might be the best for me on steamboat in powder could not be a good alaska ski yep. <laughs> you know And like, I'm sure you, I'm sure the same thought went through your mind of like, how do I figure out what ski is going to be the best for me in the huge, big open mountains in Alaska?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, you know, this is part of the reason we're fortunate to have our friend, Paul Forward, who's a lead uh, heli guide for Chugach Powder Guides. You know, we do send like our biggest skis out to Paul to test out there. Um, but you know, one of the things from that very trip where, you know, we were out there at the same time, you know, we did end up creating, um, this new ski, the Folsom Custom Skis Rotor. Um, because Paul Forward had been saying for years, Hey, there are some days out here in the big mountains of Alaska where we just need longer, wider, bigger. And I was like, okay, maybe that's true. Mike McCabe at Folsom. He was like, I don't know, man, probably not. Well, we were out there. We were experiencing that in those conditions. And, you know, Mike went back from that trip and, and, you know, literally created the, what we're now calling the the Folsom rotor. Um, and, you know, I think we have skied enough places around the world. Um, we've, our reviewers have skied East coast. We've skied Japan. We've skied Europe. We've skied you know, New Zealand, uh, we've skied Alaska and you start over that time to get into enough different types of snow that at least in our reviews, we can start speaking a bit more knowledgeably about, you know, um, these skis are optimal for these sorts of conditions, you know, whether it's tight trees, whether it's huge, like the biggest wide open lines, and snow yep. types and snow densities. So, we've kind of been on that front for years, but um, you know, it's it is helpful having Paul live full-time in Girdwood and um and that's where we'll sometimes test certain pow skis where we think there is a bit more versatility in mind. We will ski those in Crested Butte and then we'll send them out to Alaska and just, you know, Paul and I and our team, we've been all doing this long enough that we can just triangulate a bit and feel pretty confident by the end of the day that you know, we're, we're appropriately assessing like where a certain skier product shines.
1: Yep. Yeah. Definitely important aspect as well.
0: Well, Hey man, shifting gears, you know, we like to do each week a crashes and close calls segment. Have you had this season, any crashes and or close calls?
1: Fortunately, I haven't had any mega ones yet, but I mean, like as a skier, when, when, when does a week go by when you don't have something where you're like, <laughs> <laughs> like once again, I appreciate the danger of this sport, you know? Mm-hmm. So I was, uh, we were, we do a staff trip every year with steamboat powder We have an awesome partnership with them and huh. it's, it's always highlighted the year territory. So we're out there, we're having a great time. And I've mono skied casually a couple times and I'm always scared to bring it to the mountain, to the resort on a powder day. It's like, <laughs> Yeah. What well, if I do one run and I'm like, this is horrible. And like, now I'm stuck with this monoski on an incredible powder day. But the beauty of the cat is you could like bring a couple skis bring, when we go, yeah. we get the, a private cat for the, for the staff. So I, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to throw the monoski on there. I'm doing it. So then I do a run, I get the confidence going a little bit. And then I do the next run and we're going through some like very spaced out aspens, but they're like the biggest aspens you've ever seen. Huh? Um, for thick aspens. And then I'm going to some powder on the ski, and it's like, whoa. And you know, I'm, I'm going slow speed because I don't want to, I already know this could happen. And then sure enough, I'm like heading towards a big aspen. I'm just like, I'm going slow enough. I can just tip over and stop in the snow. But it's like, you know, once again, there's, there's so many potential things that can happen in skiing. And you know, trees are one of them for sure. And one of the guys on our trip hit a tree the rest of the day and then at the end of the day he'd hit the tree with his like Uh, chest and he takes his phone
0: out he had broken his phone when he hit the tree wow wow okay yeah okay we we we, we, um we maybe need to talk more about our blister plus program and uh if you're going to be you know taking your whole team you know cat skiing in tight trees and they're hitting trees hard enough to break their phones. Um yeah, maybe maybe we'll talk after this. Um but this person is okay.
1: Oh, he's totally fine. He was like okay. completely good. It wasn't even like troubling or concerning, but still broke the phone, you know. Broke the phone. Yeah. Um, it was it was it wasn't even a medium speed thing. It was just like a very slow speed
0: like huh. poof. Yeah. So so you just had was this like your third day mono skiing? Or do you think you have more than that?
1: Oh man, how many days I got on my belt? Maybe four. My my kids are always asking me to bring it out. They they love seeing dad um, meet his match with the mono ski. That's for sure.
0: <laughs> what what do you? I, so in the this is like gear thirties where I just always confess that like from the first time I got on skis, I just kept getting on skis because I really enjoyed it. But yeah. it means that I have yet to be on a snowboard. I've never been on a mono ski. So give me the quick cliff notes. Mono skiing, harder than it looks, easier than it looks. If you're decent at skiing, some some might call me an advanced skier. I don't know after this conversation. I don't know where I'm at. But um, what do you, is it like, no, if you click in and you concentrate or something, you'll be okay or really good or no, you're going to be a disaster?
1: I think you'll be terrified disaster when you first click in, but the, the learning curve is steep. So is, I think you need to have like a little bit of a whimsical sense of humor to jump on the monoski and, and try to learn it. You know, it's a little bit personality based, but it's a steep learning curve and it's, it's a fun feeling turn. So huh. try it if you get the opportunity.
0: Okay. But maybe don't go first run in tight trees. Correct. Trees are very difficult. Um,
1: Cat tracks are very difficult where you're not just following the fall line (laughs) and you want to make sure your core, you you don't want a dad mod off the couch. You need like a good core for that thing. And you'll feel it the next day. Like it's a workout. You got to like throw yourself
0: into the turns. Huh? Okay. Can you, are you smearing turns or do you have to like really get on edge or you're not going anywhere? Oh man. I, When it feels good. I mean, you've you've been on one for four days. So you're the expert here of the two of (laughs) us. Exactly.
1: So yeah. My, my preliminary take is when it (laughs) feels really good, you've got like some somewhat soft snow under you, whether it's powder or just spring snow. And you can kind of like lean your whole body weight on that one edge and feel it kind of start to tip and dig in. And it's a super cool rad feeling to put all your body weight on that one edge.
0: Okay. All right. Well. First, I got to get through, you know, become a, a snowboarder. That's happening this winter for sure. Um, and then I think the next challenge after that is, is I think we have a monoski up up after that, I think. So it's probably in my future. It's not in my immediate future. Have you spent much time on a snowboard?
1: No, but I was thinking the same thing. Much like you, we, we've always had boarders at the shop. And obviously, they're still about boarding. So we wanted to support that. So we started carrying boards this year and Mm. I want to be in on it. So I I want to learn how to board this year.
0: Okay. Well, I am actually, I am doing that this year. So if you, you know, if you, if you want to come down to Crested Butte, we can, you know, click in together and, and, um, and we'll just tell everybody we're experts. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and yep. just the third, the the third, the male thirty five percent bump. In our case, yep. it's probably gonna have to be like the eight hundred and thirty percent bump. Yep. Um, but you know, you gotta. We'll visualize. We're yep. you know, we're taught. We're you know, we're manifesting expertise yep. on the board.
1: Absolutely. One of our company values is stay curious, and uh, mm. I absolutely want to support that. And I try to support that by learn new things. You know, put yourself out there yeah. a bit.
0: Yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, standing invitation, Jordan. Um, yeah, well, Hey man, I appreciate the time today and honestly, selfishly, I appreciate you, uh, lending your perspective on some of this stuff about skier ability levels. And I, I guess my parting take on this is, um, I like the skier ability levels. If it helps us all have kind of a modern spiritual exercise, in like reducing ego i like yep. that what i don't like i mean i i hope people you know i hope it helps people as we're filling out community reviews just help provide more accurate information for the community but then i just hope when we it's time to actually go ski we don't think about this at all and like yep. just go enjoy being outside Sliding around on snow, getting down, however you get down, whatever, and yep. that—that seems—that seems probably the healthiest way to use this.
1: I know you mean it's—it's it's, you can get like fixated on this level, but like stoke level is the most important thing, right? Who's who's That's having right. the most fun? That's ultimately what it's all about. And like, this is the how, how this can, is the... how can you have the most fun on the
0: mountain? that's the right place to end. Right. And that's what we say. Like the best skier is whoever is having the most fun. Like I actually yep. mean that because yep. what else, like you're not winning a prize at the end of the, your recreational ski day. So I, like, I, I literally mean that. And I'm glad you brought up that expression because that is, that is ultimately, and at bottom the way this goes. And, uh, yep. Yeah, so if you have flawless technique all the time but you're grumpy or just kind of a jerk to be around, right. We might pull we might pull your expert status.
1: <laughs> Love it. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: <laughs> well, hey Jordan, thank you so much. Um say hi to the whole Powder 7 team for us and uh look forward to the next time I see you, whether that is Crested Butte, Steamboat or Girdwood Alaska.
1: Yes. I vote Girdwood. Let's see each
0: other up there again. All right, we'll we'll work on that. (laughs) Hey, man, thanks, and uh, talk to you soon. All right, have a good one. Well, that's it for this edition of Gear 30. I want to say thanks to Jordan for the conversation. Thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this episode. Oh, and you all know, right? J-Bob will, of course, be at the Blister Summit. So if you haven't met J-Bob... And more importantly, if you've never skied a lap or two with J-Bob, well, while you are on skis and try to keep up with him on his board, it's one of my favorite things in all of skiing to go get some laps with J-Bob. You have the opportunity to do that. Uh, anyway, J-Bob, thank you for producing this episode as always. And thanks to all of you for listening. And uh, I'll just say thanks in advance for your comments on what we ought to do with our rating system. All right, folks. Um, On that note, I hope you have a great weekend. I hope you are getting out on snow. And do remember, as we said, the best skier on the mountain is whoever is out there having the most fun. Let's not forget it. Bye, everybody.